Welcome to the Mind Takeaway podcast with your hosts, Mira and Peter. We celebrate what it is to be human in an age of technology, digitization, and information overload. In each episode, together with our guests, we go on a deep exploration of resilience, creativity, leadership, authenticity, passion, and intuition, while encouraging others to do the same. What underpins all of our conversations is human connectedness, collaboration, and community. Hi, this is the 40th episode of the Mind Takeaway podcast. Quite a milestone for us, and we would like to thank you for being with us all this time. In this episode, we speak to Vivian Aqua, a workplace wellness advocate. We met to talk about the holistic way of sustainable employability called workplace wellness. For her, this is the way to work on a healthy culture at work. And Vivian advises managers and companies on how to keep their team members healthy, happy, and safe. Becoming a mother inspired Vivian to shift from being a finance IT consultant to becoming a workplace wellness advocate. She made a promise to her son to help make the world a sustainable place by advocating for a healthy workplace where people can thrive. Vivian is also a founder of Amplify DEI Summit, where you can learn all about diversity, equity, and inclusion from 60-plus international experts. Peter and I are within those 60-plus, and we have three 16-days all-access tickets to give away. The first three people to send us the answer to this question, now listen carefully. Why do you want to amplify diversity, equity, and inclusion? Remember, there is no right or wrong answer. We want to know what it means to you. Send us your answer to info at themindtakeaway.com and enjoy listening. Welcome to the Mind Takeaway podcast. Today, we are here with Vivian Aqua. Uh, Vivian is a workplace wellness advocate and a speaker, and we had a a privilege to meet her recently. And uh, I've heard something really interesting uh, from Vivian. And she said the reason she's doing the work that she does is because she made a promise her, to her son uh, a few years ago. So uh, welcome, Vivian. And yeah, welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Exactly. I am. Uh, it's an honor to be here as well. Well, to start with, as I mentioned it, uh, would you... Would you tell us a little bit more about what you do and what you do in the in the workplaces and also what is that promise that you made to your son? Yeah, so my name is uh, Vivian Aqua, born and raised in uh, Amsterdam and I have a Ghanaian background. And when it comes to uh, workplace wellness, I look into the different pillars that workplace wellness has. So I look into financial well-being, I look into mental well-being, physical well-being, career well-being, environmental well-being, and financial well-being. And I, I'm guessing I'm forgetting one or social well-being. I'm just adding that into the mixture because when people have the opportunity to choose from whatever well-being they want to work on, they can re- create that better resiliency that everybody's looking for. And also it works towards the other pillars, right? So if you are worried about maybe your financial well-being, it can also have an effect on your mental well-being. Mm. It can also have an effect on your career well-being and it can also, you know, turn on to the other things. And that's why I believe that 
when companies provide workplace wellness, they are building a holistic, they are working on the holistic well-being of their employees. Um, the reason why has to do with me experiencing some toxicity in the workplace. And uh, one of the, the worst things that I faced was uh, enduring pregnancy discrimination while I was pregnant with my son. And I managed to tell, I had five managers at the time working for a company that has 30 employees of so five directors. And I told each of them when I was five weeks pregnant that I was pregnant. And that's also one of the uh, one of the, it, that was also the starting point when the harassment or the microaggression started, especially from a few of the directors. And I was just like, okay, I don't understand what I've done. The only thing that I've shared was I am pregnant and that should be, you know, the best news that you want to mm. hear from your employees. Yeah. But it wasn't. And the way that I face it also, it was very stressful to work for a company that did not experience a uh, woman being pregnant before. So I was the first of the first. And uh, it was also for me personal, the last time that I, um, that I went to the company because I quit my job when my son was about four months old. And I decided then and there, I'm never going to work for a company where my happiness isn't happy anymore. My, my happiness most, it isn't happy because I didn't carry my son for nine months and then went through that, you know, that phase where you had to bring him out. I'm going to spare you the details, but <laughs> I didn't, you know, endure that pain to just having see an unhappy mother. That's not me. I want to be able to look my son in the eye and tell him, I am happy with, with what I'm doing and I'm happy with what I want to, uh, I want you to do, but also I want him to be proud of where he's working. I want him to have that happiness as well. And wh who would I be if I was still working at a place where I was being held hostage mentally, uh, not thriving, not being myself. And then I'm going to tell my son and say, you need to work at a place where somebody is respecting you and they are honoring you and they are seeing you as a whole person. So uh, to him, he doesn't even realize it, but he's my life coach. He saved my life. He is my mirror. Uh, he's six. So he's now sometimes an annoying mirror, but he's still <laughs> a mirror um, because through him, I learn a lot. Also when he was about four, um, the first time that I heard him talking about growth mindset, it, we, I was talking to my partner. I don't know what we said, but he called us on that. It's a fixed mindset. And I was just like looking at my partner and I was just like, okay, where did you learn this? <laughs> Apparently his teacher uh, shared it. And I asked the teacher, okay, can you tell me more? Why are you doing this right now? Well, it's a habit of the school that they start at an early age. Uh, helping the kids learn that it's okay to fail, helping the kids learn that failure is a lesson that you should see uh, as a way to improve yourself. So I am, again, I'm learning a lot through my son without him realizing it. And I'm passing that knowledge on. So cool to hear. Mm -hmm. And just to mm -hmm. reverse back a little bit, I yeah. mean, well done for, you know, having the courage to realize that that just wasn't good enough because yeah. we know in Europe, I mean, I can't say outside of Europe, you know, there's lots of 
regulations and there's law in place, all of that. But mm -hmm. that doesn't stop that passive-aggressive behavior when what should have been great news, like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so, you know, I'm so happy for you was the complete reverse and you would just felt devalued. Yeah. And it's sad to hear that you felt it so much that, you know, what what choice did I have? I'm not going to stand for that. So, you know, you you made a choice and voted with your feet. Yeah. And it's also another way uh, I was angry. I'm not angry at myself, mm -hmm. but I was bitter that I couldn't speak up at the time, especially knowing what I know now, because mm -hmm. A, they put my son in danger. Yeah. B, they put myself in danger. And C, it could have gone wrong for numbers of reasons. So that's why I'm advocating about a lot of things, but I'm also a woman advocate when it comes to uh, pregnancy discrimination mm -hmm. and the stress that people, mainly women endure, but also their family members, why? Because there are women out there who lost their, their child during pregnancy mm -hmm. and the way that some employers or managers have handled that they don't deserve an award. They deserve a shitty award mm -hmm. if they do deserve an award. And just before we, you know, press the record button, we were talking about, you know, it, it, and I'm interested to hear your, you know, your mm -hmm. side of this. Is it just that people are just not, it's, a, it's an awareness problem and they just don't have the right tools to be able to communicate? Or mm -hmm. is there something more insidious and deeper that really needs to be resolved? Yeah. We unlearn how to communicate uh, with others when it comes to us communicating in the workplace, because we know how to communicate outside of the workplace when it comes to friends or when it comes to families. And definitely when a family member or a friend is hurt by somebody else, we are taking the stand and speaking up why are we not placed doing the same thing at the workplace? Is it because we are scared about financial security or are we scared to lose our jobs? Why is it that we are not speaking up? And I feel that we need to learn how to communicate and not saying just, hi, how are you? And fine. And everything is okay. Learn to communicate beyond, you know, how are you really? Or is there something that I can do? Or I noticed that you know, you're not being yourself or I noticed that you are different right now. Is there something, has something happened? How can I be there for you? Because not realizing what somebody's going through in their personal life, and I'm not saying that you have to know all, but people cannot switch on and off mm. when it comes to what happens at home or what happens, you know, in, in on the holidays. If somebody just lost uh, a loved one during this whole pandemic, it is um, it is definitely going to impact them in their in their personal life, but also in their work life as well. And we need to learn more how we can be more of a family member. Mm. It, it looks to me now listening to you. It looks to me that in work we assume that we shouldn't be human anymore. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a good topic because that's also one of the reasons why I started. Uh, the platform where I am holding uh, conversations with different experts about humanizing the workplace because I have uh, my experience as a consultant for about 15 years, but also after that, I've seen that the workplace isn't human anymore and we're missing that factor because once people can be more human, they can bring in more of themselves, but also know that when people are happy in the workplace and they feel safe in the workplace, they will go 
beyond that 100% productivity that all businesses are aiming for, but apparently they don't know the magic code. And the magic code is just treat myself as a human the way you are treating, you want to be treated yourself, right? Mm. Totally get that because yeah. if you create psychological safety, and, and mm-hmm. as we've talked about, you can't not know about their life, though the personal yeah. life. We're not talking every single detail, but I, I don't know about you, me as a manager, as a leader in the companies, I just knew it didn't have to be, you know, it wasn't something I had to learn. Mm-hmm. It, it just felt like it, it needed to be done because also it, it made sense for me. I'm a human being too. And mm-hmm. I genuinely wanted to get to know the people that were in my duty of care. But I'm still amazed at how it's still lacking in many organizations that they, yeah, they they lack that humanity. And actually what really sorts the numbers out yeah. is putting that first and foremost. You know, yeah. strategy's great. And yes, you know, companies and organizations, they want to make money. So they have to have all that structure and the KPIs and everything else. But I'd hazard a guess that, the, the humanity part trumps all of that. Because if you're not happy, if you're not comfortable, if you don't feel safe, how can you possibly do a great job? You know, you can't yeah. and you leave the company sooner than yeah. later. So yeah. and also um, a lot of people, I'm not only referring to managers, but a lot of people uh, don't know how to activate their power skills and uh, mm-hmm. power skills are mostly referred to soft skills. But mm. we need empathy. We need uh, a way to listen to people without judgment. And we also need to know how, what our unconscious biases are and how we can deal with it so that it won't hinder uh, us engaging with people. Mm. Something that, that, that really um, striked me uh, as, a, as a manager in the past and later on when I started working with, with leaders was that it's interesting is how much of our own unacceptance and personal judgment towards ourselves reflects back into how we communicate with people, especially mm-hmm. when we feel uncomfortable, and especially when we feel with a, in a really not a good place emotionally. Mm-hmm. So when, when we are under stress, this is what comes up a lot. And yeah. this is where micromanagement starts. And this is where blaming and shaming and, and judgment. And, and as you said, this uh, some stuff that, that managers and people don't really even see coming out from them. They think it, it is because of the other person. And I, and, I, and I strongly believe this is the place where we need to start. And this pandemic has probably shown us what was really going wrong in the companies. But then, I don't know, do you see companies really starting to invest and think about actually doing that, doing the groundwork? Or are they still thinking, oh, let me just put my numbers up, and then when I do all of that, then I'm going to look into how happy and satisfied my employees are? Is there bullying? Is there um, right, racial dis- discrimination going on over there? And that, like, I I don't know. I have a feeling, but that's why I wanted to ask you, do you think that we are still putting first the stuff that should come second? Yeah, 
I uh, totally agree. What I see now is the companies that have been doing good when it comes to people, they are only thriving. And you see that even though they are saying that sometimes they don't know it all, at mm. least they are putting their people first. And the companies that are putting the numbers first or are trying to save the company without paying attention to the people, you see the ugliness, you see you know, the spots, you see a lot of sadness, but also on social media, you see a lot of companies being called out on not taking their, taking care of their people. So I'm happy that there is social media. I'm happy that there is news that are reporting this because I, I'm wondering what it was like before we had social media. That's a really good point because, yeah, me too. I would agree that it's good that it's out there. And yes, you know, we talked about this. It's uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. it's so it should be because these things actually have to be worked out. Yeah. And let's be honest, any change is uncomfortable, right? So yeah. it's best we start working on that. And yeah, I totally agree that you can't really cover it up. And what was it like before? I mean, I've seen it and I've had a taste of it myself in certain organizations. But yeah, what must it have been like for people when they had no voice at all? You know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's yeah. see what happens. But I don't know. I still think there's a hell of a lot of work to be done, right? Because there's mm. one thing us shining a light on it, but also I'd love to see tangible action and, you know, things shifting in a certain direction. So what yeah. I wanted to ask you, I mean, the work that you do looks really valuable. What do you do with your company? If an organization, you know, first and foremost has the courage to put the hand up and say, look, we don't have all the answers and actually we've made some mistakes. Can you help us? What what happens, you know, can you talk us through what you what you would do in terms of the process and stuff like that? When an organization approaches me, the first thing that I do is uh, I need to have a group of team or I need to have a, a task force where I can talk to because I'm not doing anything without the consent of the people. I need to have the people included because um, a lot of these changes are done to them. And I want to involve them within these changes. So it feels like, not it feels like it's a change that they can uh, value. It's a change because they can value it because they were part of the solution, right? And uh, what I'm doing at the moment now is doing a lot of uh, cultural awareness. Uh, it's a game, but it's also a game for them to get to know them and for them to see the different cultures and the added values, uh, like the food, but also getting to know them what's appropriate within a culture and what's not. And another thing that I've been asked for is uh, having conversation, how to talk about race, how to talk about mm -hmm. racism, how to have these tough conversations when needed. So um, that's due to uh, this whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement, mm -hmm. but also we need to learn how to have these conversations because sometimes people can put on a Chinese wall and uh, when the Chinese wall is up, you only get more frustrated. You only get more, you know, the emotions that you don't want to be included are included. And we need to find ways to communicate better. Hmm. Mm. So it sounds like you, you, your starting point is to take down some barriers first. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you don't really go and jump in and jump the gun like many consultants and coaches do innocently mm -hmm. and you get the the buy-in from the people themselves the employees because yeah. yeah we've all been involved or anyone that's been an employee where change just happens to you without any say so 
And it sounds like you've had a you know a chance to say anything, but let's be honest, it's more surface level noise. But yeah, how do but you also yeah. know that uh, I can do my trick, and mm-hmm. within five or six months, I'm gone. But the best thing is, I want my not my name to still be you know buzzing uh, uh, in the company, yeah. but the work that we all have done should be beneficial for everybody, and uh, that's a lot of low hanging fruit mm-hmm. that companies sometimes don't see or don't tend to acknowledge and it's again it's low hanging mm. yeah and i like the fact you, you you're really aware of that because that actually doesn't cost so much money right mm-hmm. and it's a wasteful yeah. thing that companies do because they kind of ignore that and i'm guessing when you go in but once you've done your work it sounds like it's more you leave some kind of legacy there rather than mm-hmm. just yeah. you know packing up and leaving and do you ever check in? I'm just curious. Do you ever? I have look? to. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I I plan uh, dates for myself. You know, within three months' time to see how are they and what have what are they doing? What are they not doing? And is there something that we need to improve? And um, I check in three months and sometimes uh, six months or sometimes nine months. But I have to mm. check in and see if there is something that I can do for them or if they need something for them. It doesn't always have to be uh, a transactional thing. If there is a link that I can share with them, that's also fine as long as they keep doing the good work that they started with. Mm. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it, it's very different from... Um from you know t- typical what, what, what we are used to you know i just go in and i do my work and i go home mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's really uh, i guess what you are doing it stays as a legacy so people do behave yeah. it's a relationship yeah. that i want yeah. to uh, keep maintaining and sometimes a relationship means that we see each other maybe every two years or maybe every one year or maybe each other month mm-hmm. but uh well-being is not a one night stand. Mm. It is uh, something that has to be part of the DNA. It has to be trained and it has to uh, be a two party thing, right? Because uh, it's one thing from the employer to provide these tools and mm. to provide access. But if employees are not using them or don't know where to find them or don't know how to access them or how to use it, are they uh, allowed to even have a nap? Uh, during work, if nobody's sharing that, then it's not an added value anymore. So we need to realize that it's a responsibility of the employer, but also of the employee as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been involved in lots of change programs, employee engagement in certain roles. Mm-hmm. It has to be a constant thing. I wouldn't say a battle, but it, the, the awareness game, the communication, because if you mm-hmm. give all of these wonderful things or give options to your employees, people forget, you know, work yeah. gets in the way, life gets in the way. Yeah. Uh, so I love that you actually, you know, you keep going back to them because I'm guessing that the the organizations have got the courage to step forward and address this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you said at the start of the conversation that it's just having that honesty to go, well, yeah, it, it's working, but we don't have all the answers. I think that's yeah. a really powerful place for an employee to be in sorry an employer mm-hmm. to be in and i hope yeah. employees that are listening to this yeah. see that as a really valuable step that just be honest first and foremost to find out you know what are the pain points what's what's upsetting employees why are you bleeding talent you know yeah. because yeah. if, if you don't be afraid to yeah. hold access interviews even when the talent exactly, have yeah, left yeah. uh six months ago i think that it's still valuable to learn from the feedback that people are sharing 
I, yeah, I would agree. It's never too late because mm -hmm. if people have left, I'm sure they're yeah. more comfortable giving you the yeah. truth versus when they were in the role and feeling, you know, whatever caused, whatever was that trigger to get them to yeah. leave in the first place, right? And it's never too late, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what would you say if, if someone's still on the fence, if you've got someone listening to this that's working in an organization that's in a position where they could be, you know, a decision maker that could really change the um, the culture of a company because they they hazard a guess that it's you know going to go south and it's not heading in the direction that they want or maybe they just feel they've lost control of it. What would you say to them? What's what? I would say that I will showcase the money that they are already losing by not doing anything because mm -hmm. um, most of the times um, there is a, t a t high turnover or there is a high disengagement and um, I would make it visible. It's all about the money. At mm. the end, it's all about the money. And luckily I have a financial background, so I know how to calculate and know how to make things visible because uh, when people are leaving, because of this whole Corona thing, uh, the, the, the war on talent is now different, but mm -hmm. there are still, you know, categories, some branches uh, in businesses where the war on talent is going on. And before I would say that you have to see how much money you're spending to find new talent. And if they are leaving sooner than, you know, the way you found them, that in itself is a huge problem because the investment that you made to recruit them, the investment that you made to train them on the job, and then the investment that you're making to uh, let them leave, if they are leaving within one year without you know, even being profitable for the organization, you are already bleeding money. Mm. Exactly, yeah, and it costs so much more money to mm -hmm. develop someone mm -hmm. coming into the company versus yeah. actually supporting someone and develop them in the role that yeah. they're in, right? Mm. But yeah, and we could yeah. we can even start from two thousand euros. Mm. I mean, come on, that mm. is yeah, yeah. a small percentage yeah. of uh, of uh, somebody's year salary. So I would say, see, uh, convert the cost into the people. So if you have a team member, if you have a team of like 20 people, divide mm. the cost or the, divide the investment that you can make and see how much is costing per head instead of looking at the whole number and saying, ooh, that's pricey. I can be pricey, but there are also cheaper methods to at least start the party going on. Mm. But like the fact you've got the numbers background as well, it's the mm -hmm. whole closing the holistic circle of mm -hmm. providing a one-stop shop. Yeah. So that's the thing. You're not just coming in and filling one little gap. Mm -hmm. And that's why I can see the value in your work. So, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Thank you. Cool. I was, I was, I kind of wanted to, to go back into these. I mean, what you spoke about just now is also tough conversations, you know, conversations mm -hmm. about what do I do next? I, I see lots of people not doing stuff uh, because it feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like they don't ask right questions yeah. and they don't bring in right training, right consultants and, and all of that because they feel uncomfortable asking right questions. Yeah. Uh, so what we've seen in the past few months is... There is, there is lots of stuff that we haven't been talking about and we are Definitely. still shying away from it. Yeah. So how do you, uh, how do you suggest, and, and you know, one of the things is, is, is 
race and and how do we change how do we notice stuff that it's wrong and how do yeah. we change that how do we you know the women and and men uh, um, ratio in you know how how we paid how we uh, looking at people when they get pregnant as you said very on very beginning how do we do that and yeah. how do we overcome that i first discomfort? have to address uh, something that I am, it's a spinsel in my mind. So um, I see a lot of ostrich isms. That is, a lot of people are putting their head in the sand and thinking that everything is fine. There is nothing going on. Just a few people mumbling about, you know, un unequal rights. But I'm not hearing anything. I'm not seeing anything. And I'm not speaking about anything wrong. And I would like to say, the workplace isn't Disneyland and even Disneyland can be beyond, you know, all the, all the time happy because if you're all the time happy, then you're not feeling the other uh, feelings that you need to feel. And I would like to say, maybe have a time to watch the movie inside out because we need, you know, the positive and the negative to thrive, to be the best of ourselves. And also know that if your company is not making a stand saying that they are anti-racist or they are, have an anti-racist policy, you are part of the problem. You, by not addressing it, you are choosing a side. And I know that you don't want to say that you are racist, but then again, you're not, you're not standing up against dehumanization because that's what racism is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really, um, and, and I think, I mean, part of it is uh, I, I was once watching this interesting TED talk uh, and um, the doctor who was presenting it said that we really want to be good as mm -hmm. humans, as a human being, I really want to be good. But because I really want to be good and want to show how good I am, um, I am really blindsiding myself yeah. uh, and covering up, not seeing stuff that uh, is really in my eyes. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, in my opinion, part of this self-protecting me mechanism is, as you said, putting the head in the sand. But it's just, you know, maybe accepting that as part of our humanness and... Um, and start addressing things that yeah, we haven't yeah. seen before. We need to stop thinking like we are in Disneyland <laughs> because uh, even Disney tells, you know, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And it feels like uh, people, uh, we need clowns in the workplace by being all happy all the time. And I have a, a, a hate and litter. I hate a love relationship when it comes to clowns and it has to do with <laughs> it. I'm side railing right now, <laughs> but uh, we need to see each other as human and humans are angry. They are sad. They are, they go through so many emotions and it's not fair for businesses to ask only the positive emotions and leaving the negative emotions behind again, inside out. It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely a watch a movie to watch. It's a movie for kids, but it, there are also valuable lessons to learn for yeah. adults. You know what? It's on the radar. And we, funny enough, we, we just recently have Disney plus. I actually <laughs> saw it, the movie. Oh, you've seen yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to watch it. Maybe even this evening, but mm -hmm. just going back to that. I mean, I think we have to work on psychological safety mm -hmm. then, right? Mm -hmm. 
But yes. then how do yeah. you instill that into the leaders? I mean, this is the kind of work that we do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we literally start by showing the leaders themselves their own experience yeah. of what, yeah. you know, as, as we talked about, what kind of clams you up, what, what fear, how, how powerful those emotions can be. But also, mm-hmm. as you said, it's completely normal. Yeah. You cannot have this weird spooky workplace that you go in and everyone's just got a permanent grin on the face you know life and humanity is the the full way you know the full spectrum of emotions right Mm -hmm. and actually for me if i go into a workplace if we do work with a company we'll be flying the wall we'll sit there and watch what goes on Mm -hmm. i want to see that there is conflict because that shows me that it's a healthy environment if everyone you know if i keep going into meetings or just meet random people in different positions and they're all saying everything's gravy i'm really worried and that's when i go back to the the decision makers and i'm like yeah i think we need to you know i've got some suggestions but what do you do in your work that kind of sets the scene for you know that discussion around psychological safety and how do you even start that in the first place you know what's Mm -hmm. it's important to have a conversation also with the with the manager because um uh, without him being included in the conversation, I mean, I can hold a workshop with the employees, but if they don't feel that safety, with including with the manager, the manager needs to be a part of it. So there is a different conversation that I need to address with the managers and then with the employees. And also, again, including them, asking them, what do they need to feel safe? Because they're I can, you know, I can share my ingredients, but again, you are different, you are different, Mm. and I am different. Mm. I value authenticity, I value honesty, I value good food, and I value a place where people can really show their hearts. Mm. If they're not showing their hearts and keeping masks on, that's for me a problem. That's when I don't feel safe. And Mm. it can be different for you. So it is important to to know what it is and why people don't feel safe in the workplace. You know what really cr- just crossed my mind right now as you were mm-hmm. talking? It seems to me that lots of people think that once you have psychological safety, everything is nice and gravy and no. a Hollywood movie. No. But actually... No. Actually, it's the starting point. It's mm-hmm. the starting point for creating that magic that you want in your team, but it's not the fixer. Mm-hmm. It's not the glue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that because it, it is just a starting point. It's like, look, mm-hmm. this is what normality has your benchmark. Mm-hmm. Here's just a sanity check of like, that's what a normal organization yeah. should look like. But what can we do now? What actions can we take that's going to keep that open? To allow yeah. people enough space, as you said before, to if they're a bit drained, they go and have a power nap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still shocked at org- I'm really am that shocked that organizations are uncomfortable with someone being more productive by having a 20 minute sleep. And yeah. then they 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 stem that or they make them sit at a desk for you know too long. And then they wonder why suddenly some of the KPIs start to tank. Mm-hmm. True. It's, it's, it's True. really gets or me curious. There are yeah. people there who are micromanaging mm-hmm. everything, and yeah. I also believe that um, a team are put together individuals, right? Mm. 
And um, I also believe that we need to create, like Salesforce says it, says it we need to create that Ohana feeling. Uh, not that you have to see everybody as your family members, but mm. I do see that Ohana feeling, that friends feeling, where you feel that connectivity with your uh, colleague, with your coworker. And you also, during, especially during this time, have uh, coffee conversations from time to time because mm. people need that. There are people who thrive by being alone, but there are also people who really are yearning for that connectivity. Mm. You need to have those team building activities. Again, you can play Yahtzee. There are so many things that you can mm. do. You can have a cooking class or uh, do an online cooking class together and share pictures. I'm mentioning food because food is my thing. So sorry to, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to I feel a bit hungry. Food, yeah. yeah but... <laughs> I mean, you're just getting me hungry. I mean, we love food, so that's okay. <laughs> but there are ways to keep that going on. And I see a lot of companies doing this one I call them the one night stand team building where they do this yearly activity and then they can check mark, they can check team building done. I know. Check. Yeah. And it's a relationship that you're going on, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. the new partner that you just have found. And in the beginning you're in a honeymoon phase and yeah. then you'll see the real face soon. And we need to work on that. We need to, keep building, you know, keep working on that muscle, keep building that relationship. And every time that somebody news, new comes in the team, you open your arms and welcome them and give them the same treatment as well. Because from an outstanding perspective, it can't feel like a very tight niche where the team is very tight. And now I have to, you know, as an intruder, I have to become one of them. And it can feel very... Mm. Uh, I can't find the word, but very scary. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And we've, I've joined teams when I'd be like, wow, they, they look like they're such a solid unit. Mm -hmm. How am I going to fit mm -hmm. into this? And it so, can be intimidating. Yeah, it can yeah. be very intimidating, yeah. So, yeah. And again, it can be innocent, but just having that awareness that if someone joins, you know, you've, you've only got a short window to be able to get them in before they end yeah. up feeling disengaged yeah. or thinking, oh, God, why did I join this company? True, yeah. true, yeah. true. Yeah, sorry, you're going to say. Yeah, I was just, what, what I'm hearing throughout our conversation, it, it means, it looks to me like the, the biggest thing for each individual in, in organization is to feel accepted and feel mm -hmm. like part yeah. of of the family uh, and also then from uh, for managers and leaders and people that are already over there is to allow that to happen to mm -hmm. create space for people to feel like that so it means allowing people to have emotions allowing people to express their thoughts ideas feelings allowed humans to be humans and there yeah. we have a really healthy workspace and just because we sometimes disagree about things doesn't mean that that it's not healthy and that it shouldn't be like that yeah. it's yeah. really yeah so definitely and i also want to add in something for the managers to uh, to boost their mood because managers uh yes a lot of people look up to them but they don't have to know it all mm. they can also you know hire people from outside or talk to other ma managers or even what's helping is find a mentor because you don't have to know it all and you can be vulnerable but if that's not your thing or you don't want to express mm. that level of vulnerability know that it's also good to find your outside tribe 
to mm. be vulnerable. Again, managers are all, also human. They are not super managers, right, or supermen. And uh, during this time, there was a lot of finger pointing towards managers. And mm. I get that. But managers also are having, you know, a challenging time keeping their teams together, even mm. uh, going through firing some people. Mm. And I would like to say, um, I'm giving them a virtual hug or a virtual support by saying that we get, I get you, I understand you, and know that you're not alone in this conversation. Oh yeah, they are. Uh, they're like a parent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. yeah. And, and and as a parent, as you know, uh, mm-hmm. is is that you are still a human, and and yeah. you go through all of that. So really being part of the support network having a support yeah. network to to help you see things that you haven't seen yeah. uh, yourself is really and really also valuable. supporting your employees if you have to let go of them mm. still treat them as human and say that you yeah. know i'm sorry that i have to let you go but if there is anything that i can do maybe give you a recommendation or maybe open up my network or something else let me know show that you are there for them so that they uh, remember your name and also can value you that you did your best for them even though they had to you had to let them go Mm. no it's a very good point because people just get stuck in their own fear and everything else and as you say the the management gig you are stuck in the rock at a hard place sometimes but yeah yeah, it's really crucial that you remember if you've had to do that and you haven't had a choice you do it with humanity right Mm -hmm. because it doesn't cost much and a lot of the things that you can put in place when someone's exiting a company it's not something that costs lots of money it's just about you know a bit of awareness to have their back so when they're going through that really challenging situation of losing their job that they feel like they've got someone at least caring about how they leave you know i think that's really important okay i've uh, i've just become aware of time uh i was i was wondering uh, Viv- vivian if you could um we usually on the end of every conversation ask our guests to you know share something that has really helped them uh, and that they think is really valuable and could help people listening uh, mm-hmm. in their work and life. So is there anything that, that you would like to share or say? There is enough, but I, have, I also have to be <laughs> respectful of time. So I, I would like to address two things. I mentioned having a mentor that mm-hmm. is valuable. Um, so if you don't have a mentor, if you haven't had the experience in a mentor, find somebody that you value, mm. reach out to them and ask them if they want to become your mentor, but also be very mindful of their time. That's the short version that I want to add. And the second thing that I want to add is it's helpful for me to find my tribe, people like you. So people like you, uh, the podcast host, uh, I would like to say that you are part of my tribe because um, in the beginning I felt alone. In the beginning I felt the only one who's weird, who's taking care of people's needs, people's well-being. But the more I find like-minded people, uh, the more I I see that what I'm doing is valued and it's necessary definitely right now. But in the beginning, I felt alone. I was dealing with the imposter syndrome and um, I was being my own worst enemy. So I would 
definitely say that it's important to find your people who believe in you, but also um, maybe do similar things so that you can um, can have a conversation with them and at least know that you're not weird. I am weird, but I'm a, in a good weird way. <laughs> well, that's okay. We're weird as well. So no, and I, I, sorry, you were gonna. No, no. It's just absolutely. I think it's very normal once you start yeah. uh, going on your own authentic yeah, path. Yeah, we can definitely mirror mm-hmm. that for sure. To yeah. feel, uh, uh, to feel like you're out of, um, out of your depth, or yeah. or that that you know you're different, weird, uh, and you know nobody is how you can even succeed in doing what you want to do. But yeah, and, and I, yeah, it's a really, really good thing that you said. Having a tribe, having like-minded people is really, really valuable. Thank you for yeah. that. Thank, thank you for you. a reminder. <laughs> well. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. You're very welcome. Just the last thing, if people are curious or want to reach out to you and find more, you know, find out more mm-hmm. about the work that you do, where's the best place that they can connect with you? The best place I would say is uh, LinkedIn. Definitely keep your eyes out on the weekly broadcast that I'm doing with Humanizing the Workplace, where I'm going to interview you in a few weeks as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And otherwise, Twitter. I mean, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to amplify my voice and by inviting different guest speakers to talk about what is needed to humanize the workplace, because I have a I have a promise that I made to my son and I want to honor that promise as well. Thank you very much for this. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Mind Takeaway podcast. If you haven't already, please support us by pressing the subscribe button. Leave us a review and share it with your friends and your wider network. Thanks again for listening.